Hey, everybody. This is Heidi St. John. Thanks for tuning in today to Off the Bench. I'm so glad you guys are here. We have had quite a week, haven't we? And I'm going to end it on an encouraging note for you today. Today is Friday, the 22nd of January. And today I've got some very precious friends on with me today. Dr. Gary and Laura House are here. And we're going to talk about how we walk with other people through times of suffering. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. So thanks for tuning in today. Lots of things going on. First of all, I wanted to remind you guys, um, because we're continuing to get speaking requests, my schedule is completely full now uh, for 2021. And so we're booking into 2022 right now. Lord willing, we're, we're still going to be here unless we get raptured. And that would be good. So I'm up for the rapture. But if we're still here uh, right now, I'm booking into 2022. And if you guys have questions about how you can bring faith that speaks to your neck of the woods, we would love to hear from you. Uh, But my schedule currently is closed. So if you want to find out where I am and where we will be, uh, you can go to HeidiStJohn.com forward slash events. Also want to let you know that we're getting ready to start a brand new study here at Mom Strong International. That will start on February the 1st because it happens to be the first Monday in February. That study is called Walk This Way, How to Live a Rapture-Ready Life. And I think you guys are going to be encouraged. We need encouragement right now. And that's one of the reasons why I'm so happy to have Gary and Laura on the show with me today. They have an amazing story. I'm going to let them introduce themselves. And uh, I love how the Lord is kind of interweaving all of our stories with each other because I haven't seen Gary and Laura for a while now, but it's fascinating to me how the Lord sort of brings people into your life. And then you go, oh, that friendship. And it's so precious. And these guys are precious, precious friends. And I'm uh, thankful that they're here today. Gary and Laura, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. We're so glad to be here. Appreciate the invitation. This is your first time on my show, is it not? Yes. That's correct. So, yeah. So I've had your friend Andrew on a few times. <laughs> and I believe uh, we met on, you know, through homeschooling, correct? That's right. I think it was back in about 2011. We were at a conference at Williamsburg that was sponsored by uh, IEW. And uh, we've seen each other at many conferences and conventions since then. And you and... um And your wonderful husband have been guests in our home, and uh, we enjoy everything you're doing and uh, look forward to uh, everything that we can share today. And uh, thank you for your friendship and having us here. Well, it's a joy. Uh, We have been through a hard year, you know, to say the least. 2020, nobody even, like in our house, it's a rule. No one can even talk about it anymore. We're going to pretend that it just never happened. (laughs) It's going to move on to 2021. But the fact is, and you and I were, we, you know, we were talking about this before we started the recording. The fact of the matter is that there are a lot of people that are grieving right now. A lot of suffering is happening. um, A lot of uh, really just post-traumatic stress. I would like to say it was post-traumatic, but it seems like we're all still living in the drama. So I don't think we can get to the post yet. Exactly. Um, But you guys have experienced real suffering in the last several years, and that's a large part of the reason why you're here today. And so I kind of want to pick it up there because I know there are a lot of people who are, they have friends who are grieving. Some of of them are grieving uh, the loss of a loved one because of the pandemic. Some of them are grieving because their families have been terribly disrupted. A lot of pain and suffering happening right now, and the church is really bad 
at this. We're not good at it. So I kind of want to go start through your story uh, about your son, Nathan, and what you guys have been through. So I'm going to let you guys kind of take it from there and I'll probably poke my head in from here and, uh, and time and again, but I want to give you an opportunity to say kind of why you're here and then we'll talk about what you guys are doing. Thank you. Well, I'll go ahead and start. I kind of just want to introduce your audience a little bit to Nathan first. Uh, he was our third child and had a wonderful childhood, super close family. We did homeschool and Nathan was best buddies with Ryan and Megan really all throughout his lifetime. He was a child that was just a real joy and was a jokester as well. When he hit puberty, he was an athlete. He became a computer programmer. Um, he actually wanted to fly airplanes. That was something he kind of wanted to be a missionary pilot like Nate Saint. That was one of his heroes. Mm -hmm. So he exchanged uh, scrubbing airplanes at our local airports in, in exchange for having flight lessons. They're pretty expensive, actually. So he scrubbed a whole lot of airplanes to be able to learn how to fly and actually had his solo license before he even had a driver's license. So all that to say, he was very industrious, um, a, a really neat young man. When he became um, a young adult or a teen and hit puberty, we did notice that he kind of became more melancholy, but pretty much every teenage boy I know gets a little more melancholy <laughs> in those yeah. teen years. So, you know, really wasn't a concern. Um, he also developed some terrible allergies and illness, but the doctors just really felt like it was allergies. So we ended up actually moving out of state to try to help that situation. Um, now looking back, of course, hindsight is very different than when you're living it. We can see that his depression actually really began at puberty. And we have some journals also uh, that we're very grateful for. And we see that um, before Nathan went to heaven, he recognized that his depression began back at that time as well. And that's really not an uncommon thing for a lot of teenage boys to um, to have something start at that point. Um, he became an electrical engineer, had his own business. He was kind of our go-to. Gary and I are not techie, as you've seen trying to set up our podcast today. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> exactly. I know. <laughs> so he was, we always joked that when you had a problem, you called 1-800-NATHAN. So he was our go-to guy, really everyone's go-to guy. But while he was the go-to guy for us, he inside was suffering tremendously with depression and suicidal ideation. So he could help other people, but we see in his journals how hard he tried to um, fight that battle and win and help himself. But he really needed help that was beyond what he could do. Um, in 2016, he lost that final battle and he took his life. And I'll let Gary kind of pick up from there on our story. Well, there are no real words to describe what any parent goes through when losing a child. Uh, we certainly never thought about that possibility or what we might feel like if it happened. I'm not sure that anybody can allow themselves to go there mentally or emotionally. But uh, we immediately were numb, stunned, disbelief. We went through a couple of years of intense grief, and uh, we started searching for answers, all the questions about um, uh, why did this happen? Was there anything that we could have done to have changed it? Uh, we journeyed through his life and asked about the what ifs and the should haves. And all of these are normal uh, stages of the grief process. But during those first couple of years, there uh, were a couple of um, things that were huge blessings to us. 
and uh, and helped us in uh, in our journey and in the ministry that we now are uh, doing to reach out to other parents who are grieving. Uh, the first um, event that we attended to find help was uh, Grief Share. And it's an organization that uh, we hope that anyone listening today who has lost a loved one, not just a child, but any loved one will visit. Uh, there are many grief share groups around the country, and I'm certain there is one in uh, uh, the listeners community. Griefshare.org uh, will allow you to find um, that event uh, in, possibly in your own church. But the leaders of our grief share group had lost all three of their children, believe it or not. Mm. and ended up becoming very dear friends of ours. Uh, we also joined a support group of parents who lost children, and that was very helpful and uh, did a lot to uh, to shape um, our uh, healing process. If you can actually heal from something like this, I don't think you can, but it's a process. Then we also had an opportunity to go to a retreat in Hot Springs, Arkansas, at the While We're Waiting Refuge for Bereaved Parents. And we didn't know what to expect, but we found it to be um, a very important weekend of healing. And we there also made lifelong friends with other parents. And we encourage anyone who has lost a child to consider attending one of their weekend retreats. They're free. They're limited to only 10 couples or single parents. And you can go to the whilewe'rewaiting.org website to find out more information. You can also join their private Facebook community for bereaved parents. But we soon recognized that we found comfort and encouragement within the community of other bereaved parents and then discovered that some of our greatest healing was occurring as we helped others heal. And so we began to think of ways to support and encourage other grieving parents. Uh, along the way, there were several spiritual lessons that we learned. As Laura said, I had uh, been a pastor and um, a seminary professor uh, training pastors for several years. and really thought um, I was in pretty good shape in terms of uh, understanding the themes of Scripture and uh, and the Bible and our purpose. But then you get kicked really hard with a tragedy of this magnitude. And uh, for anyone who's lost a child, regardless of the circumstances, um, it's, it's really indescribable. Um, and so we've learned many spiritual lessons, but there are a couple that are particularly uh, significant. Uh, the first is that uh, our this world is not our home. Um, we are very different people now after losing Nathan, and we have a new understanding of earthly life and what we're really here for. We'd always understood this, but now we have entered into a new reality regarding this truth, and we feel like we've been... Um, stepping behind the veil, so to speak, that we mm. uh, have part of us in heaven already. And uh, while our purpose and our work on earth uh, is important, and we understand this much more clearly now, we have a new hope in eternal life with Christ and look forward to seeing him and also being reunited with Nathan and other loved ones in a way that we uh, never experienced before. So all of the scriptures that we read now, we'd read them before, they were in our head, but all the scriptures about uh, eternity with Christ and um, uh, even about our purpose here uh, in our short time on earth uh, really come to life now in terms of meaning and uh, 
and hit us at the heart level in a way that we never experienced before. One lesson I learned that I'd love to share is, um, well, let me put it this way. I was Nathan's mom, so the mama bear, you know, and somehow in my mind, it's like, well, since I'm his mom, I love him the most. I know Gary loves him and Ryan and Megan love him and other people do too, but I'm his mom. And one day, probably maybe a year down the road, I woke up one day and it's just like the Lord just hit me and said, Laura, you carried Nathan, but I created him. I realized I don't love him the most. I'm not his creator. I had the privilege of being his mom. You know, the Lord entrusted him to us, but I didn't create him. And it hit me the incredible love that God has for Nathan. And then it hit me in a whole new way how much he loves me and each one of us. And then I read Psalm 139, and I encourage everyone Think about this truth of the depth that God has for you individually. He created you. And then go read Psalm 139 with that in mind. And that was honestly really life-changing for me to recognize how much God loves Nathan and loves each one of us. I'm wondering, you know, I'm listening. I was just, I'm writing down, you know, notes as you guys are talking. And um, as we were saying before, I think that the amount right now of human suffering that is all around us and it, it can be overwhelming, you know, uh, even for someone like me, I had, you know, bit of a bit of a breakdown a couple of weeks ago. I was just going through questions that had come in from mailbox Monday and it was just one suffering person after another. It was one bereaved person, parents who had lost children to suicide, parents who had lost or just, you know, had lost a friend either to the virus or, or whatever it was so much suffering. And we talked about this a few minutes at the very beginning, Gary, and you said something I thought was so absolutely right. Was that we, the church does not have a theology for suffering. We, we tend to push suffering under, under the carpet. We tend to uh, ignore it, right? We don't want to face it because after all, I'm pretty sure I heard Joel Osteen say that God wants you to live your best life right now. (laughs) Well, this isn't my best life. You know, so where does that, where does that play in? What do you say to people, you guys, when, when you realize that this, this brokenness, there are a lot of people listening right now that they, they, maybe they themselves aren't walking through suffering, but I guarantee you they know someone who is. How do we start to bring this sort of theology of suffering into the practical so that we don't run from these conversations, but we have them openly? Well, we, uh, we've experienced the same, Heidi, that uh, now more than ever, we are um, talking with people that are suffering in a way that they've never experienced before. In fact, uh, when Nathan died, I realized that in all the years that I had been in ministry, while I did my best to minister to grieving families, um, I didn't realize until our son died that I really had no idea what other people were going through. And... Um, Prior to Nathan's death, we actually didn't know very many people who had lost children. And after he died, it seemed like we we're meeting parents every week who had lost children. And now, partly because what's happening in our country, we see more and more people uh, suffering in many different ways. And I don't think that that's going to get better anytime soon. So um, we realize that um, the only grace that we have to truly minister to others comes from places where we have received grace ourselves. In other words, Mm -hmm. we had to experience uh, this depth of pain and suffering, and God uh, showed his grace and mercy to us. And only then 
did we really have the ability to understand what other people were going through. And as we uh, began to realize that God could use our brokenness and our experience of his faithfulness to us, uh, we started helping others uh, who were walking uh, that same road. And there's a scripture, First um, Corinthians 1, 3 to 4, praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. And so there are so many things that grieving parents experience that people who aren't grieving can't really relate to, but we saw others um, able to bring comfort to us because of their loss and hope they had in Jesus. And so we started stepping out to uh, to help others as well. And we have um, several uh, different things that we've learned. I'll let Laura uh, step through some of these that, in answer to your question specifically, um, as we've learned the process ourselves and and learned how to uh, to meet the needs of others that are going through this journey. Yeah, you know, I would love to talk for a minute about, um, you know, just things you can do to be helpful to someone that you know who's lost a child. But Gary, I think you should mention just a few minutes too about the biblical perspective of suffering, because mm-hmm. we talk about it all the time. And as Heidi was talking about, people are suffering in a lot of different ways right now. And it was, really wasn't until we lost Nathan that we started recognizing it's one of the biggest themes in the Bible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's all over the Bible. So um, that's one of the things that um, I didn't realize um, all the biblical study that I had uh, engaged in through the years. Uh, somehow I had overlooked the significance of the biblical perspective about suffering. And it's very prominent. The issue of pain and suffering is actually the number one obstacle for people coming to Christ. And yet it's right there in front of us um, throughout Scripture. I don't think, as you mentioned a moment ago, Heidi, that it's recognized as such in much of the American church today. Um, We tend to ignore it. And I think that it's perhaps willful ignorance because we've uh, for years and years had uh, teaching that uh, allows us to think that uh, everything's going to be good and everything's going to be better. We live a good life. We pay our tithe. We go to church. We do good things that nothing bad is going to happen. And yet there's a purpose to our suffering that's very clear in Scripture, and that is developing intimacy with God uh, that we could not experience without suffering. And uh, Laura and I realized that uh, we knew that in our head, but until we experienced the loss of Nathan, um, and stepped into another whole world, so to speak, uh, we we never really recognized how much closer we could get to God through our experience and our pain and our tears and the questions that we had. Um, we had to go through this. And so as Christians, we need to have a biblical worldview of suffering and expect to suffer. Uh, although we don't hope to suffer, or we don't wish it upon others when suffering comes our way, and Jesus said it would, Our response should not be, why me, but it should be, why not me? In other words, we should expect it to to happen. And then when it does come our way, um, we need to embrace it. And that's one of the things I would not not have known before Nathan died. But I actually asked um, 
our grief share leader, uh, we were visiting in their home one evening and talking about this. And, and I asked him, you know, how do, how do you deal with this level of pain and so forth? And he, I'll never forget it. He just said, you embrace it. And uh, the, the picture that came into my mind was being at the beach. And I always love to go there and uh, jump the waves. Sometimes I'd try to jump over them. Sometimes I'd you know, try to run from them, but uh, you can't run from uh, the pain of this type of loss or any type of suffering. And so I pictured embracing it, meaning uh, just standing um, and and taking the impact of the waves and uh, and pushing through that and trying to uh, allow God to teach me to uh, strengthen me. And as time's gone on. Um, some people say they don't know how, uh, we can handle something like this. They say, if it happened to them, they know they couldn't handle it, but that's not true because God gives us, uh, strength that we never knew that we had. And so it gets harder in many ways as you, the time goes further out, you miss them more and, and you get what's called ambushed and, uh, and you weep, you cry, and, uh, you kind of feel like you're stepped back a little bit, but in the meantime, God is taking us to new levels of strength and understanding that we never would have had otherwise. And so we have really tried to study uh, the themes of suffering in the Bible. And one of the challenges that, um, that has been presented to me that I want to follow through on is to, uh, to try to write curriculum for churches and to challenge pastors to preach more on suffering because uh, a lot of the churches in America and, uh, are not equipped to deal with intense suffering, and even the schools that prepare pastors uh, anymore don't have courses on grief, suffering, crisis ministry, and so forth. So we're not prepared at all for uh, for what's supposed to happen to each of us at some point in time in some way, and what I think is we're going to see um, more here in our country in the future. So uh, the biblical perspective of suffering is something that we all need to uh, focus on and um, and study more and be able to apply to our lives because we're going to face it. Mm, it's so true. And really, I mean, if we're honest, uh, talking about suffering is not popular. It's a crowd shrinker. Mm-hmm. No one wants to talk Definitely. about it. You know, we want to talk about everything's going to be all right and how the Lord's going to answer our prayers. You know, we don't often focus on the very hard places in people's lives in the Bible, or if we do, we see it as a result of sin, right? So you hear like, well, David and Bathsheba lost their child because David, because of their sin, right? But we don't just say, what about the guy, you know, what about the guy who was actually doing quote everything right? And then they end up, they wind up in this terrible place of suffering. We just have a few minutes left today, Laura, but I wanted to uh, see if really quickly you, because we're going to come back and do this again. I, I feel like this is a conversation that needs to be had over and over again, But in the last few minutes that we have, can you give just a few pointers to people who are listening and the friend of theirs is going through something horrible and they don't know what to say Mm -hmm. and they don't know what to do? I know I've been a terrible friend to people who have been suffering. Um, How can we be a good friend? Well, I'm in the same boat as you were. (laughs) Um, Once this happened, now I've learned a lot. And what I realize now is there are a few gifts you could give that friend. One is your words and your words are powerful. You know, at the beginning of somebody's loss, um, don't try to tell them that you know how they feel because you don't. Even if they lost a child, they didn't lose Nathan and I didn't lose their child. 
So, you know, you don't want to make comments of things that you truly don't know. So it's kind of like, what can I say? Well, the best thing is simply, I am so sorry. I don't know what to say, but I care. I love you. You know, I'm sorry for your loss. In other words, don't say a whole lot, but be there. And definitely when I say don't say a lot, make sure you say you need to talk. You need to bring it up. That's another thing we talked about before the podcast. I was mentioning how important it is to someone who has lost not just a child, but anyone you've lost that's close to you, how special it is when a friend talks about them. They use their name. A lot of people think, well, I don't want to bring it up because maybe she's finally having a moment of peace. That's Mm -hmm. not true at all. Mm -hmm. Every bereaved parent would love for you to talk. Um, I'd love for you to say Nathan's name, send me a picture, send me an email, a memory. Those are like gold. Because some of it, I would think that it's like the, now, you know, in our attempt to help, it's almost like you've made that person they love so much disappear. Exactly. And they never disappear. Right. And, you know, you hit that's what you said is so on point. I think probably one of the biggest fears of a bereaved parent is that everyone's going to forget that their child's life mattered, you know, mm-hmm. and Nathan's still a part of our life all day long. I mean, he's in heaven, but he's still a big part. He's still my son. He's just not living here. You know, he's gone ahead of us. So mm-hmm. another thing is just listen and give, give your friend an opportunity to listen. And you can just simply say, Hey, do you have time for a cup of coffee? And then not ask the question just, Oh, how are you doing? Because the American answer is fine. Right. But how are you doing with your grief? You know, mm-hmm. how is your grief? And you know, bring up a memory, you know, would you like to talk about Nathan? I would love to hear, you know, something, a story or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then remember them. That's just important when it's their birthday, if it's Christmas, if it's their heaven day. Um, I can't even tell you how special it is when a friend will text us on Nathan's birthday or heaven day and just say, hey, we love you. We love Nathan. We're thinking about you and praying for you today. So Mm -hmm. put it on your calendar, find out when those special days are. And it's funny, some days that may not seem like special days are, for example, Father's Day. Nathan's not here to say Happy Father's Day to Gary. Uh, Mm -hmm. Mother's Day, my birthday, Gary's birthday, every holiday, every single holiday, (laughs) because Mm -hmm. there's memories attached to those holidays. And that person, even if you didn't lose a child, you lost someone else close to you. Mm -hmm. Um, Those memories are still there. And then, of course, the practical things, you know, taking meals you know, freezer meals and disposable things that people can pull out when they don't have the energy. Grief takes a lot of energy, as Mm. everyone knows when you've lost someone. And send lots of cards. I think we do emails and texts well, but there's something about a physical card. Boy, that's true. Isn't that something? Mm -hmm. We We had one friend that sent a card every single month for the first year. And it she was actually a helper at a convention. So not a super close friend, but someone we loved. And it just meant the world to us that, you know, every single month she remembered and sent us a card. Um, So there's so many, you know, tangible things that you can do. And then pray, pray for your friend. And sometimes pray with your friend if you have the opportunity, you know, send encouraging notes, send an encouraging scripture. But more than anything, um, your words can be few. They can be, I'm sorry, you must be hurting today. I just want to know I love you and I'm praying for you today. Just want you to know that you're in my heart and on my mind. And uh, and then try not to forget, you know, everybody's life has to go on because that's how earthly life is. Your life goes on. But for uh, a parent who's lost a child, their life has to go on somehow. 
but it's kind of like C.S. Lewis describes, you go on with a limp, you're never the same. And we're different people. And Gary mentioned earlier that we miss Nathan more, and that's true. I didn't anticipate that at all. Somehow I thought that as time went on, the missing wouldn't be as hard. Um, but really, as time goes on, the grief is not as difficult, but the missing gets harder. And now it makes sense to me because we miss him more, but we're also closer to going to heaven and uh, looking forward to that uh, day where we're reunited with Jesus and Nathan and others that we love. Yeah. And I think it's a constant reminder that, you know, what Gary said in the beginning is really true. Like we weren't, this world is not our home. We weren't made for here. Mm-hmm. And I think that that acknowledgement of the grief, I think it's so helpful. And I was listening, you know, to you talking again, you know, I'm almost writing notes. I get great guests on here. I'm like, man, I'm learning so much. But I think the importance of just not running, not running away from it mm-hmm. and being willing to say the name, you mm-hmm. know, uh, you know, Jay and I have never experienced a loss like that. We did experience a loss of a, we had a loss through miscarriage. Uh, years ago. And uh, it's the only, it's the reason why there are so many years between our third and our fourth child, because we mm-hmm. lost a baby. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, at that point thinking that, you know, people were coming up to me and saying things that really weren't helpful because they were trying so hard. But I think if the church would be more honest, if we could be more honest about what to actually say, then we wouldn't stumble around so hard and we wouldn't be tripping over our words so much. You're going to trip over them anyway, because these are hard things but I think there's a right or a, not a right way, a better way to do it. And I so appreciate uh, those, those tips. It's going to be really helpful. You guys are doing something really cool. Um, you have done, you've created an organization called Our Hearts Are Home and you guys have a, your very first conference coming up in the, in the couple of months we have left. Can you tell parents about that? So anyone who's experienced bereavement, uh, you've got some encouragement for them. So what's, what do you guys got coming up? On February 20th, it's online, and you can go to ourheartsarehome.org and find the conference there. And Gary mentioned the While We're Waiting ministry, and both of the founders, of the couples that founded that ministry, will be joining us there, as well as a lot of other parents who've lost kids. So definitely for parents that have lost kids, but even if you're someone who has a friend or family member who's lost a child, it'll be helpful to you as well. We also have online book studies for parents. And we have in-person gatherings, and we'd love to have you at any of those as well. And we have a mom's online gathering coming up. We do that by Zoom. And it's always a small group. We'll have maybe 15 of us. But there is just something so special about being together with other parents who also are missing their kids. It's always a beautiful time and helps us recognize that the true comfort for our hearts ultimately comes from Jesus. So it's just really neat to be able to encourage each other and to let the Lord encourage us as well. I love that. And that's a free event, correct? Everything we do is free. Absolutely. I love that. So February 20th starts, it looks like 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern time. And uh, you guys have been, you're doing something really wonderful. And I really want to thank you for it. Is there anything else that you wanted to say real quick before we hop out? I want to make sure I, there's so many more things. I'm going to definitely have you guys back on. But is there anything else, Gary, anything about the website, anything you guys want people to know before we leave today? Well, everybody's welcome to go to our website. Uh, It's ourheartsourhome.org. And uh, we have uh, many other uh, activities and events uh, other than Laura stated, but uh, they can find that on the website uh, blog. We're starting a podcast and care packages and uh, so forth. So uh, that's available there. And uh, 
we'd love to be back on and uh, share some more things we've learned. Thank you, Heidi. Yeah, Thanks you're so welcome. Much. You're welcome. For more information, I hope this has been helpful for everybody. I know that a lot of you are hurting right now, and our hope here is to encourage you. Uh, Gary and Laura, you guys are treasured friends. Thanks for coming on and sharing about Nathan, and uh, we'll have you on again real soon. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. For more information about Gary and Laura's ministry for families who are stuff suffering, please visit ourheartsathome.org. I'll link back to that in the show notes today. We love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Be encouraged today. Love your families well. And I'll see you back here again at the intersection of faith and culture. For more encouragement, visit me online at thebusymom.com.